Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. Today's Bible reading will be Matthew 3 and Acts 2. Matthew 3 verse 1 says, In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, but he, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I'll tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Now Acts 2 verse 37 to 39. When the people heard this, they were cut to heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and all your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Aidan. Good morning, everyone. That was Aidan's first time that followed getting up and doing the Bible reading. Hopefully the first of many more to come. So... Uh, I've got to admit, it gives me great joy seeing our young people um, stepping up, serving God and developing their gifts. So Aidan and Noah this morning, I'm also conscious that a lot of our young people serve here and the setup team and the welcome team and the hospitality team and the, the, the worship team, uh, in a, uh, follow kids and little followers in a whole bunch of ways. So when you see them serving God and using their gifts, please uh, encourage them uh, because it's great to see, it's great for them and they're not just their future, they're also our present. So today, we're talking about baptism. Now, for those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, Dave. Now, today's message was originally going to be brought to you by Ray Gunton, one of our elders, but his work commitments prevented that. 
So you've got me instead. Uh, apologies in advance. Fair to say, if I was here, the sermon might have been twice as good, and it might have been twice as long. But, um, <laughs> so anyway, we'll look at baptism. The purpose of looking at baptism today is twofold. First of all, it's an important uh, sacrament. It's an important tradition of the Christian uh, church. So it's good for us to understand what it's all about, where it came from, why we do it, why we make such a fuss about it. The second reason is because we're having a baptism service on May the 26th, only four weeks away, and I'm hoping that today some of you will be inspired to be baptised if you haven't already been. Uh, if you've been thinking about it or you'd like to know more about it, hopefully today I can answer some of those questions. But if you would like to talk to myself or Luke or any one of the elders uh, after this service or any time in the next couple of weeks, that's a conversation we would be delighted to have with you. So please uh, come and talk to us any time. So today... I'm simply going to ask five simple questions and uh, hopefully we can uh, answer them for you. I thought it was. Now it is. Awesome. You'd think I'd learn, wouldn't you? So five simple questions. What is baptism? Who should get baptised? Why should we be baptised? When should we be baptised? And finally, the age-old question, what exactly is the meaning of life? So let's tackle the first four, and then we'll just see how we go with the fifth one. It it shouldn't take too long, should it? So first of all, what is baptism? Baptism is never mentioned in the Old Testament, and yet here we are, very start of the New Testament, and it's just a thing that's happening. People are doing it. No one takes the time to bother to explain it to us where this came from. Clearly, Jesus endorsed baptism by coming to be baptised himself. So where did it come from? Scholars generally believe it um, came right back from the book of Leviticus, where the priests, you know, the book of Leviticus, God gives a whole lot of commands to his people of how they should live, and the priests were told to, you know, ceremonially cleanse themselves before they performed some of their duties. Um, In this culture and all cultures, water is always... um, been used for, for, for cleaning, for purifying, for cleansing. And so the practice of baptism seems to have de- developed, so not just for the priests to you know, cleanse themselves before carrying out their, their duties, but for everyone who wanted to purify themselves before God. Clearly, John the Baptist is encouraging people to repent of their sins before they are baptised. He says, get right with God, clean up your life, and then come and be ceremonially washed and cleansed and purified. Baptism obviously involves water, although there are two different interpretations of exactly how much water. Uh, Matthew 3, as Aidan read for us, describes how Jesus came up out of the water. Now, some people interpret that as he probably just stepped into the river, someone sprinkled a bit of water on him, and then he stepped up out of the water as in back into dry ground. That's one interpretation. Other people would believe it means that he was completely submerged in the water, and as he came up out of the water, it was like literally coming up, so, you know, he's hot, he completely got, got wet, got fully, fully dunked. So that's why some churches baptise with just a sprinkling of water and some churches baptise by what they call full immersion or a total dunking. Now, I do need to warn you, if you're thinking about baptism, at follow, we baptise by full immersion. But the good news is it's in a nice, clean, warm spa, so, you know, nothing like where Noah was. Um, with the water, all good. Not like Jesus in a, 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 a river, which is probably cold and potentially dirty. No, it's all nice and clean and hygienic, so you've got nothing to worry about there. But baptism by full immersion is a Baptist tradition. Even more important, 
I think, to me, it, is, uh, it demonstrates that we are fully committed, fully immersed, fully devoted. Uh, our whole heart, our whole self, our whole being is committed and devoted and involved in uh, serving God. I like this practice because Jesus makes it clear that following him is not a, it's not a part-time job. It's not a, a half-hearted thing. Christianity is not a, you know, go with the flow, drift with the tide, merrily, 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 life is like a dream kind of vibe. Following Jesus requires commitment, dedication, sacrifice. And so baptism by immersion makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, one question, do you have to be baptised to be forgiven or, you know, or saved or to be a real Christian? Well, the answer is no. In fact, some people who are baptised may not even necessarily be uh, saved. Remember Matthew 3, some of the Pharisees came along and John rebukes them. John the Baptist tells them off. He calls them a bunch of snakes. He told them to prove by your actions that you have repented of your sin. See, John realised they were probably just looking for public recognition more than a genuine, humble repentance. I'll talk more about repentance in a couple of minutes, but basically this is not just being sorry for what you did, but changing your life completely. More than just sorry I did that, but a determination never to do it again. So baptism is not essential for salvation, but it is strongly encouraged by scripture. And being baptised is a, a public declaration of an internal decision. John the Baptist demanded repentance and faithfulness to God, and the same principle applies today. We use water to symbolise clean... Uh, sorry, we use water to symbolise here, washing clean, cleansing, purifying. Now, the water for baptism is not some holy water, not magical water. It doesn't magically transform you into a better person or a more spiritual Christian or anything. It's simply a public step of obedience to God. But although your salvation doesn't depend on being baptised, that doesn't mean salvation is insignificant or unimportant. Uh, it's a, it's a, a meaningful ceremony to carry out. And it's for all God's people. So that's the what. The who. Who can be baptised? First of all, let's specify that baptism is for people. I know some people have been so inspired by baptism that they want to baptise their whole family, including their pets. And, uh, you know, I thought about our family. Well, we've you know, got some goldfish, not too hard there. A couple of guinea pigs, you know, they wouldn't appreciate it, but a quick dunk, they'd be fine. We've even got a chicken, you know, probably managed that. And we've got a cat. Now, I can guarantee cats are not, not enthusiastic about baptism by full immersion. Uh, a few weeks ago, I heard a story about a... Uh, three animals, a Labrador and a German Shepherd and a cat. And they all died at the same time and they stood before the throne of God and God was you know, asking them what they believed in. And God said, to the German God said to the Labrador first, he said, tell me, mate, what do you believe in? And the Labrador said, I believe in absolute loyalty to my master. And God said, excellent answer. Come here and sit here on my right-hand side. And God said to the German Shepherd, what about you, mate? What do you believe in? And the German Shepherd said... I believe in discipline and hard work. And God said, good, good answer. Come here and sit on my left-hand side. God said to the cat, what about you, son? What do you believe in? And the cat said, I believe you're sitting in my seat. <laughs> so much as I love cats, they certainly don't qualify for baptism. 
so now this is a special thing for humans, for people who are created in God's image, who are able to make that conscious, rational decision of how to live their own lives. So who can be baptised? Well, anyone can be baptised. The, the better question really is who should be baptised? Because baptism is not for everyone. John the Baptist explains to the Pharisees that he was baptising for repentance, but Jesus was coming, and eventually Jesus will judge the whole world for their actions. Jesus will gather the wheat, and he'll, the, bur- the shaft will be burned with unquenchable fire. There was an old story, probably many years ago, uh, a migrant who, who moved out to Australia, and uh, English was his second language, but he was learning the language and doing pretty well, learning all the, the nuances and you know, of English and uh, using the right pronouns to use in different places and different times. And he learned, you know, about a host and a hostess and an actor and an actress. He got involved in his church and he was doing the announcements one day and he said, next week we're going to have a baptism service and we're going to baptise one adult and one adulteress. So, <laughs> so who, who should be baptised? Well, it would appear from the Bible readings that those who confess their sins those who repent, those who believe in Jesus. So John preached repentance, and then he baptised them. In Acts chapter 2, Peter told them to repent of their sin and then to be baptised. So repentance is a key. So let's explain what is repentance. From the dictionary, the verb repent means to feel sorry for something you've done. When you repent, you acknowledge what you did and you vow to change your ways. Sometimes people say they're sorry, but you wonder whether they're sorry for what they did or sorry that they got caught. But repentance means genuine remorse and a determination not to repeat their behaviour. Many of you will remember Monica Lewinsky. She was a White House intern uh, 20-odd years ago now who was caught in a compromising position with then-President Bill Clinton. Now, was Bill Clinton sorry for what he did? Well, no. At first, he angrily denied it, abused everyone, accused everyone else, denied it never happened, and then as the evidence mounted and it became absolutely irrefutable, then finally he claimed that he was sorry. But what was he sorry for? Was he sorry for being unfaithful to his wife and breaking his vows? Was he sorry for being a liar? Or was he just sorry that he got caught and got embarrassed? See, God knows the hearts of people we can't fool him with denials and distractions and self-justification and counter-accusations. In the Old Testament, King David also committed adultery and he was exposed by the prophet Nathan. Now, King David did not repent until he was exposed, but the difference was that his repentance, although late, was genuine. Once he was confronted with his sin, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. He humbled himself. He prayed He accepted whatever judgment God would dish out and he did not repeat that behaviour. Now, none of us are perfect. If you think you're perfect, then, uh, well, sadly, the Bible says you're a liar and the truth is not in you and you've probably got bigger issues that we can deal with today. But most of us would admit that we're not perfect. And if you admit that you're not perfect, then congratulations, you'll fit fit in really well around here. And also congratulations because the Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were imperfect... Jesus Christ died for us. So great news. Welcome to imperfection. Good job. We're not perfect. We all sin. We all fall short. We all fail. But the test is when God confronts us with our sin, do we repent? 
Do we genuinely change and turn our behaviour and die to self? Or do we get angry and deny it, justify ourselves, blame someone else? You know, happiness is having someone else to blame. It's not actually a great principle to live a Christian life by, is it? There can be three different stages of repentance. First of all, there's simply a desire to improve our behaviour, to, live, to leave our sinful ways and live a more godly lifestyle. We see this in the story of Jonah. Jonah went to the Nineveh and he preached to them. He warned them about their behaviour. He said the judgement of God is coming and the people repented. They humbled themselves, they cried out to God for mercy, they changed their ways and God had mercy, much to Jonah's annoyance. But that was the desired response that they changed their behaviour. Isaiah 55 says, Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. See, repentance is also a way of life after conversion. We should be constantly identifying uh, weaknesses, faults, sinful areas of our life and turning away from them. Remember the TV ad? Might be an old one now. It talked about the relentless pursuit of perfection. Well, our Christian walk should drive us to that same approach to our own lives. To We never achieve perfection, but we should continually be striving to get more and more like the person that God wants us to be. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This applies to all of us. We all need to improve our behaviour, to turn away from our greed and our immorality and our selfish ambition. So if you're not a Christian then you need to believe in Jesus and follow him. But if you are a Christian, you need to be continually striving to live a more godly lifestyle. The third stage of repentance is for Christians who, for whatever reason, your faith, your walk with God has grown stale, uh, you've lost the zeal, you've lost the passion, you've lost the excitement, and we also need to rediscover that so we can be on fire for God again. Pardon me. So John the Baptist told people to repent, which is good. And we also should be finding our loving and appropriate ways to tell others that they need to repent. John the Baptist also pointed people to Jesus. It was never look at me, it was always look at him. Get ready for him. And our lives should be the same as that, always pointing people towards Jesus. So baptism, a special ceremony for God's people, and it's for all of those who choose to repent and follow Jesus. The third question, why should we be baptised? Well, Jesus was baptised and he's always a great example to follow. We all have role models in life, don't we? People that we like to imitate. When I was growing up, I I liked to play footy and I liked to play cricket. I always wanted to bowl like Dennis Lilly and bat like Adam Gilchrist. Nowadays, maybe I want to kick goals like Buddy Franklin and run like Usain Bolt. Sponsors understand this. Sponsors will pay high-profile sportsmen heaps of money just to wear their gear and use their equipment because they understand that young people growing up will look at that and they say, I want to use the bat that Stephen Waugh used. I want to wear the boots that Lionel Messi wears. I want to wear the shirts that Tiger Woods wears. We all like to imitate. And when it comes to life and actions, we should imitate Jesus. 
In Matthew 28, verse 19, uh, the last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended back into heaven, he said, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was baptised. Jesus told his followers to baptise others. In Acts chapter 2, Peter told the people to repent and to be baptised. And if you need another reason, Peter's first name was Simon, so you can add Simon says be baptised to your list if you, if you really want to. The Bible is quite clear that we should repent and then we should be baptised. In the wild west days of America, uh, whenever there was a dispute in the town, they'd have a town meeting, everyone would come along, everyone would get to have their say, present their case, you'd hear all the arguments, and then it would be time to vote. No secret ballots back in those days. The only safe way, you would stand up. The catchphrase was, stand up and be counted. You know, because sometimes if you raise your hand, some of the hands are like here and some hands are like here and you could easily miss one. So it was very clear, it was very public, it was very obvious. Everyone knew where you stood, which side you were voting for. Stand up and be counted. And God requires his followers to stand up and be counted. And being baptised is just one way of showing your commitment to God and to stand up and be counted for God. Many of you have probably been following uh, the story of Israel Folau, the Christian rugby player who, who might be sacked for daring to uh, express a Christian viewpoint in public. But it's interesting to hear the reactions from different people. Uh, one common train of thought seems to be that, yeah, he's allowed to have his faith, but it's a personal matter and he's not allowed to talk about it in public. He, he should just keep it to himself. But that's not the way God sees it. That's not what God wants. So to be a Christian but to keep it to yourself is not actually showing respect to our neighbours, isn't it? It's actually saying to our neighbours, I believe that without Jesus, you will ultimately wind up in hell, but I don't care enough to do anything about that. So that's not loving our neighbour the way we love ourselves, is it? That's not treating others the way we would like to be treated. See, God calls us to be his witnesses, to go into all the world and make disciples, not to just hide it hide our light under a bushel and keep it to ourselves. So being baptised is just one way to, to stand up and to be counted as a follower of Jesus. If you're still thinking about baptism, at the hub after the service there are baptism packs for you to take home and read and find out more. So I've covered the what, the who, the why. Now when should you be baptised? Ideally, May the 26th, 2019, this year. <laughs> Um, if you haven't already been baptised. According to these pa uh, passages, baptism should happen after repentance, after you decide to give your life to God. You confess your sin, you acknowledge Jesus is Lord, then you get baptised. That's pretty much the sequence according to New Testament uh, history. Now, don't wait until you feel uh, mature enough or holy enough or spiritual enough before you get baptised. As I've already said, we never achieve perfection in this life, so if you're going to wait until then, it'll be a very, very long wait, and the water will be definitely cold by then. So you don't have to wait until you're perfect, just once you've repented, once you are uh, committed to God. If you believe the Bible, as I do, then you believe, let me just remind you of what you believe. You believe, as Romans 3 says, that all have sinned. That means everyone. That means me. That means you. All of us have sinned and failed. And you believe Romans chapter 6, that the wages or the consequences or the results of sin is death. But the good news is that the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ. You also believe 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all the wickedness. How good is that? And you also believe John 3, 16. It says, everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish, but will have eternal life. So if you believe that, if you have done that, if you are striving to do that, then you can and should be baptised. When? Hopefully May 26th, but whenever you're ready. So baptism is significant. It is for all God's people. Why? Because the Bible tells us to do it. And when? Any time after you have repented and turned to God. And finally, question number five. Uh, oops. The, uh, the great mystery of life. What is the point of human existence? What is the meaning of life? If you've been listening today, you probably get the vibe of where I'm going to go with this. All I can do is direct you back to God's word. The book of Ecclesiastes, which is a, lots of searching and uh, think, deep thinking. And the final conclusion says here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. That was King Solomon's conclusion to the the purpose of life. And John the Baptist echoed these words in Matthew chapter 3 when he warned that Jesus was coming and Jesus is greater and Jesus will ultimately judge. Last weekend we celebrated Easter, the death, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the vision of this church, but he is even more than that. He is the centre of all human existence. He is the way, the truth, the life, He is the resurrection and the life. He is the beginning and the end. He was and is and is to come. He is the name that is above all the other names. He is the one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the point, the reason, the purpose. He is the meaning of life. He is. Let's pray. Father God, it's a great privilege for us to be your children, uh, to be called by your name. And uh, we acknowledge that and we want to do justice to that and live our lives for you the best that we can. Whether that in baptism or obedience in every way, help us to testify to your goodness, to proclaim Jesus to the world around us as long as we shall live. Amen. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it's stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless. God bless.